Welcome to the official ABA Law Student Podcast, where we talk about issues that affect law students and recent grads. From finals and graduation to the bar exam and finding a job, this show is your trusted resource for the next big step. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the ABA Law Student Podcast on Legal Talk Network. I am Caitlin Peterson, Delegate of Diversity and Inclusion for the Law Student Division and a 2L at Washington Lee University in Lexington, Virginia. Our show today is sponsored by the American Bar Association's Law Student Division. And in this monthly podcast, we cover topics of interest to you, law students, and recent graduates. We hope this show is a valued resource for all our listeners. For our show today, we are joined by three guests, all law students, Nick DeFiesta and Alexandra Gilbert from Stanford Law School and Caroline Phillips from the American Washington College Law School. Today, we will be speaking about their efforts at their law schools and across the nation to address mental health, which, of course, is a very important topic in these recent times. So, Nick, I guess I'll start with you because I first heard from you about doing this podcast, but kind of what made you guys even think about addressing mental health at your law schools? I understand from an article that the ABA ran in the ABA Journal that it is a group of students from all the T14 schools coming together to address mental health at their law schools and also to address it kind of in the legal field. How did you guys even come together to do this? Sure thing. So I think that's actually been one of the most surprising things about law school for me has been how despite us being sort of a professional school training folks for future careers and being informed by uh, empiricism and sort of being a place where future leaders are incubated, that there has been a surprising lack of conversation around uh, mental health on campus and in the legal profession more generally. The stats are there and everyone sort of has an intuitive sense for them anyway, how those studies out there that show that law students are actually have a better mental health and wellness before entering law school, and that quickly plummets to below the general population within a couple of months of being in law school. There's obviously high rates of substance abuse, and there's just a whole host of mental struggles that plague the legal community. And we just weren't really talking about those in law school. So that's what sort of inspired us to start thinking about what we could do to do better. And I think that sort of reflects this broader movement across the legal community, I mean, you see things like the recent ABA resolution that sort of acknowledge this problem. And I think it also sort of recognizing that there was this lack of conversation also identifies what I think is one of the biggest problems. It's just a huge stigma associated with any sort of mental illness or wellness-related issue in the legal community and sort of the need to just be even just symbolically talking about these things, sort of let people know and to signal to them that they are not alone. Definitely. I agree. I've been working on this as the Delegate of Diversity and Inclusion all year as well. And especially for our upcoming Mental Health Day, I've been really working on mental health and addressing that, not just at law schools, but in the legal field and nationwide, because it is an issue that's so pervasive, like you said, the stats are there. 
So it's encouraging to see law students even taking it upon themselves and also not just at their own schools, but reaching out to other schools to try to address these issues. Because I think we're the best proponents of addressing the issue because we understand what it is to have these issues and what resources we need to face them. So in that vein, Caroline, you now, what has it been like to work collaboratively on these issues, both at your school and with this T14 network, kind of, in addressing mental health? It's been wonderful to just be included in this. We had our section senator ask if anybody was willing to be a mental health liaison for the Student Bar Association at our school, and I immediately knew that that's what I wanted to do, just because there's such a stigma surrounding mental health. I've dealt with anxiety in the past, and I'm still dealing with depression, and I'm very open about that. And it's very hard as a law student to kind of juggle your mental health in a culture where you need to be high achieving at all times. So it's been really wonderful to have Dean Jaffe and the SBA just be so open to wanting to implement resources for our students and make them more well known and just help us eradicate the stigma that exists around mental health, especially in this uh, career path that has so many people affected by addiction and mental health issues. So some of the things that we're doing at Washington College of Law at American University is we first worked on a counseling roadmap where we figured out everything that you would need to know to get your first counseling session underway. It was hard at first to find these resources and these people got into law school and it shouldn't be that difficult for them to find. So we set up this this roadmap um, that tells you what your first counseling session is going to look like, where to go, how to get there, what questions you'll be asked, etc. And then we are also working, I have another mental health liaison, Sahar Takshi, that I'm working with, who's also a 1L. And she's working on putting together a skills series for the students to kind of show or implement some like stress management skills or better ways of kind of putting yourself together whenever you run into issues or when you get overwhelmed, just like really hard skills that some people just don't have or are not aware that they could work on, which is a great thing that I'm, I'm really excited about putting together with her. We're also thinking about putting together a mental health screening event, although there are a lot of barriers to that given the stigma, but we're hoping to put something together like that in the future. And then just self-care on campus. Dean Jaffe has been really great about getting the word out that there is a free yoga class every week for students on campus. You don't have to go very far. It's in the library. There's also martial arts classes that you can take. And just like putting the physical together with the mental for better self-care. So it's been really great to collaborate with the higher-ups and to know that they actually care about this specific issue. I agree. David Jaffe, I've been working with him a lot on this issue. He has been fantastic to work with, and we hope to get him on the podcast soon. So it sounds like through your efforts and his efforts and your school's overall efforts, it sounds that mental health is really being addressed at Washington College of Law at American University, which is great. Alexandria, I guess I'll ask you, so at Stanford, are you guys having similar or different efforts to address mental health? Yeah, I definitely think that all law schools, all students I've talked to from across the country have a lot of the similar problems, and we're all looking at similar solutions. So things that I've seen that 
are discussed, I think, pretty broadly are, as Caroline mentioned, looking at ways to get students connected more directly with counseling resources, as well as looking at student wellness as a more integrated part of the student experience. And for us, that looks like just encouraging events that don't revolve around alcohol, but instead are hikes or playing with puppies in the courtyard or just setting up spaces for students to talk to each other. It's also considering ways that we can make the pedagogy and curriculum of the law school less stressful throughout all three years of law school. I'm a 3L, and so I'm doing my bar application things right now. And so that is another area that I think a lot of law students think about pretty actively when we talk about the stigma of mental health. Um, The California bar asks a question essentially to the effect of if you have any mental health issues that would stop you from being an effective lawyer, while some states, of course, are notorious for questions that really disincentivize seeking treatment. And so these are things that are constantly in conversation over the course of three years at Stanford and elsewhere. And I think we're all trying to confront the same issues. And it's really exciting to hear what folks at American and all of the other schools are doing. I think it's good if we can all sort of offer our ideas, steal each other's ideas, make them better and share them again. Definitely. I agree with that, which you were mentioning addressing kind of even nationwide the bar exam, which is a 3L. I know that's got to be scary. As a 2L, it's scary to me even. But um, Nick, you in that vein had mentioned a resolution that is going around about mental health. So would you mind just mentioning for our general viewing audience what a resolution is and then what the mental health resolution is that you're speaking of? Sure thing. I don't really understand the, I can't claim to know the intricacies of how an ABA resolution is passed or adopted. Well, I can kind of help with that in my delicate position, and then we'll get back to the question. So a resolution for the ABA law student side of this is that it almost functions like a bill of Congress. And so a lot of the law student division loves to pass resolutions. Our chair, Thomas Kim, is very keen on passing as many of them as we can this year to address issues that students may have, such as issues that affect women, issues that affect minorities, issues that affect legal education, just issues that really affect law students. And we write these up in reports that basically ask the ABA to address something, to address mental health, to address the fact that legal education and how things are reported. And then at annual meeting, which tends to be held typically in August, where the whole ABA gets together, we run these resolutions, these reports basically asking the ABA to do something by our general population at the law student division, as well as sometimes the whole ABA when we go to their House of Delegates And we end up voting on these resolutions so that the ABA may take these resolutions and the actions that they call for and bring them to bodies that can enact them, such as local bar associations, kind of like Caroline and Alexandria were saying, or even as far as Congress to act them to pass legislation or policies to enact them. So it actually is just actions and not just a position the ABA is taking. So in that vein, Nick, can you kind of talk about the mental health resolution? Sure thing. The mental health resolution was passed, I believe, uh, earlier this year, or adopted earlier this year, and sort of calls upon all of the best uh, and most recent empirical literature, sort of discussing the particular mental health concerns that face the legal profession, 
and calls on the ABA, the judiciary, law schools, just basically every like like legal institutional stakeholder to work to address those. And there's a there's sort of like five themes that were addressed in the resolution, which largely built off of the work of a mental health task force that was taking on these issues. And the five big themes are one, thinking about who should be making these decisions, looking at stakeholders and who can sort of work to take on mental health. The second one was sort of a reference to earlier, which was taking on stigma and sort of being comfortable with talking about mental health as one strategy for actually defeating it. Three was that the sort of one big frame that the task force came up with was under the ABA model rules of professional conduct, you have a duty of competency and the not being a, a sort of taking care of your mental health and not being sort of a proactive like a lawyer focused on wellness means that you are failing that duty of competence. And so sort of approaching it from that angle, next is sort of educating different stakeholders on this issue. And then finally, like was sort of implementing like other substantive change that could help the profession move forward on this, including stuff like monitoring for substance abuse disorders and helping the people with recovery, reducing the role that alcohol seems to play at every legal social event, and so on and so forth. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. And I was personally glad to see that pass because, again, not just from my position as delegate of diversity, but just personally, I think it's great when the ABA, law students, law schools address mental health because these are issues that are growing. They're not going to go away. So to encourage people and really just say, hey, this is an important issue to us and we need it to be addressed is something that I'm glad the ABA is taking seriously. However, kind of in this position and just I think in general, I always feel like I have so limited of time and so much stuff that I want to do, especially on the topic of mental health. And I know that a lot of people feel like I do, such as David Jaffe, as we've mentioned before. There's so much that we want to do, but there could be issues that we're also missing. So for all three of you, and we'll go down the line in a second, what are some things that you think that the ABA, your law schools or law schools in general, and even law students or the legal field once we get out of law school could address better for mental health? And Carolyn, we'll start with you first. Well, in our role as graduate students, we don't have access to as many resources as undergraduate students do. And I really think that law schools in general need to step up in terms of resources, having them on campus, having them readily available not limiting the amount of sessions that you're allowed to have. And especially these alcohol-fueled events, I really think that somehow we should change how lawyers network, although that seems to be a huge issue that I'm not sure how to even begin to tackle. But yeah, I just think that erasing stigma and encouraging and implementing resources would just be two of the biggest things that the ABA and law schools and the law school or just lawyers and careers to do to help law students. Great. Yes, I totally agree with those points. Alexandria, you next. One of the major issues that a lot of law students face is being thrown into the deep end their first semester or quarter of law school and attempting to navigate the strange world of law school pedagogy. And that's something that students really can't do much to change. The ABA probably has pretty limited ability to change what faculty will do at law schools. 
And that's a cultural shift that I think needs to happen amongst the faculty at our schools. The Socratic method, some professors still use, works better on some students than others. The throwing us into however many classes at the outset without ever taking the time to sort of step back and explain to us the basics of the legal system so that we all feel like we must be hopelessly behind everyone else all of the time. The kind of pedagogical choices that are made are part of what contributes to what Nick described, the trend of law students entering law school as seemingly well-adjusted people who very quickly fall into a lot of problems and obstacles that you wouldn't think they would necessarily face until they enter their law school classrooms. I'm sure Nick would mention this if I didn't, but at Stanford, they talk a lot about the duck syndrome concept of the people who look perfectly calm and like they're doing very well on the surface. And then right underneath, they're kicking frantically to keep going. And I think that's something that exists at all law schools. And because there's so much stigma around needing help or around struggling, students have to keep trying to, you know, keep a brave face on. And we don't always feel like our classrooms are good spaces for us to be able to struggle publicly or ask questions. A lot of times it seems like professors are putting a lot of pressure on students in ways that, you know, professors obviously aren't trying to harm students, but students don't feel they can ask for help. And so it's just a cycle that continues year after year. So I I would say that the law schools definitely within themselves need to have the administrators and the faculty sit down and think through ways that professors can both do their jobs in the ways that they want to and use their expertise, but also make sure that they're providing good classroom experiences for students. Definitely. I agree with those points as well. Thank you. And then, Nick, I guess we'll end this question with you and your thoughts. Sure thing. So I think most of my biggest thoughts have already been sort of echoed far more competently than I could ever describe here by my two fellow podcasters. One thing I wanted to sort of highlight was here at Stanford Law School, we're sort of in a particular moment where there's a lot of conversations about race on campus and the ways big and small that racism sort of rears its head, even within the elite spaces of law school, and even within and maybe particularly within spaces like law school. And one thing that I think is always useful to keep in mind is that mental health struggles don't impact people blindly. They're disproportionately, I mean, there's empirical research that shows that people of color, queer people, any historically marginalized group also is going to disproportionately suffer from a host of mental health challenges. And so I sort of think like keeping in mind that when we're talking about mental health, we're also in some ways talking about racial justice and none, but like those two things are sort of intertwined. I think it's another really useful frame to keep in mind of we're taking these challenges on. Definitely. Thank you for adding that point, Nick. It's definitely not missed on me or I think anybody else listening. So before I end this session and ask our final question, I just want to thank all of you for coming on and talking about, again, this very important, very pervasive issue. Again, I don't think it's lost in our audience, including law faculty, law students, and those in the legal field. I don't think it's lost on any of them how important this issue is. And hearing you guys articulate these points so intelligently better than I ever could 
really makes me feel good about the direction that this issue will take as we go forward in the legal field in the future. It makes me feel really good that I'll be working with people like you in my future as both the law student and in the legal field. So thank you guys for that. I guess my final question will be, so we've been talking about mental health and kind of what we do at our law schools, but then what do you guys personally do? What is one thing that you do to help with your mental health? I know that for me, I have got a dog in October of last year and with getting a dog, of course, it has made me both more responsible and scheduling my time. And then as well, the exercise component of it has really helped improve my mental health, I'd say, over a semester. So having a pet for me that is both a companion and an exercise motivator has really helped improve my mental health over the semester. But what is one thing that you guys do to help with your mental health? So sort of as you just alluded to, I, there's a bunch of research out there that shows that a lot of mental health can be sort of addressed by getting regular exercise, as well as just basic things like eating well and getting enough sleep. So sort of like like making sure that in like the wild world of law school, that I'm continuing to get seven and a half plus hours of sleep every night, uh, that I'm hitting the gym fairly regularly, and that I uh, am not eating too horribly. It sort of forms the baseline of my mental well-being and then also I sort of one of the first things I did when I got to law school was try to find a, a therapist in the area. Just I think that having a like a the sort of just having somebody there to sort of check in with somewhat regularly and talk about the stresses of law school, the challenges of my personal life. And like that has always served, I think, sort of a balancing function that I think law school has only heightened my need for. And also just serves as a, like a reminder that there is a life outside of law school. And for me, going to therapy is a way to just sort of express to myself that I need to be thinking about some of these issues. And finally, it really doesn't hurt to be in California where we have cloudy days for all of the week. <laughs> and the sun is constantly out. So I do think having lived in both in Seattle and in New England and experienced those winters, that weather makes a surprising difference. And the sun here is great. <laughs> uh, I miss California. <laughs> Alexandria, you can go next. What is something you do to help address your mental health? I just want to say I'm staring out my window, and I know Nick is looking at the same courtyard out of his window at all of the rain right now in California. So I'm feeling pretty, pretty misled by his comments. But I'd say that I agree largely with the points that Nick made. When I was a 1L, after, I think, a couple of months, I got to the point where if I were doing my reading, if I was studying, if I was tired, I went to sleep because sleep makes law school infinitely more bearable. I, I think people sometimes think that you need to seem as intense as possible and you should be at the library until 3 a.m. You should be outlining all of the time and really, you need to have rest, you need to be able to function. So sleep is really one of my fun activities since I've come to law school. I've also become a person who cooks since my 2L year, really, which has been a lovely form of something I call productive procrastination, which is doing something that's, you know, not homework, but you have a product at the end, you can find very exciting things to do with 
all kinds of vegetables that you won't encounter if you just grab food between the library and your home every day. And then I also really echo very strongly the importance of remembering life outside of law school. So I try to keep in touch with my pre-law school friends and honestly some friends who just go to other law schools as much as possible. So whether that's just through many, many group texts or through taking trips out of town when possible, I found that's made my life a lot better over the past couple of years, or even just going off campus and doing my reading at a public library instead of something at the university or the law school, that getting some perspective on the fact that there is a world outside of law school and there are people who don't know what torts are, that's awesome. So I think that's really been very impactful for me. Getting to other parts of campus, other parts of the area has really helped ground me in remembering that law school is a professional educational experience. It's not the rest of your life. Definitely. I agree with you on I cook a lot as well during the week just to because especially when there's been a frustrating day, nothing can kind of get that out of you, like needing bread for you to eat after a hard day at law school struggles, as well as family and friends. They often don't understand how hard it is going through law school because they're not going through it. So having friends at other law schools, but also just talking to your friends or like your mom about something besides law school can really make you feel better and remind you that there's a great wide world and there's a life after law school. But I'm sorry, Caroline, you will end this kind of conversation about what do you do to address your mental health during law school? Well, Caitlin, I'm so glad that you brought up that you got a dog because I've actually been looking into adopting one or at least fostering. So when I'm sad, I do that cliche thing where I look up dog videos and they just, I don't know, it speaks you out. It reminds you that there's goodness in the world. But also, I've been working with my doctor to figure out a medication that works for me. I just started counseling on our campus using our resources. I try to get my steps in every day. I try to eat better, but I'm not going to say how well that's going. I definitely do abuse Uber Eat probably more than I should. But having like a book to escape to every night is really nice. It kind of shuts your brain off. It's not reading for property. It's not reading for constitutional law. It's just reading some you know, good old fiction or, I don't know, classic. I'm actually reading Slaughterhouse-Five right now. It's nice to kind of get my brain off of law school things. So, And then a support system is so, 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 so important. I call my family all the time because I'm in a new city. I didn't know anyone here when I moved here, but I I have been making friends outside of law school, which is definitely easier said than done. But it really is great to have a support system that doesn't exist fully within the law school. So, yeah. Totally. I agree with that, which I'm actually looking at my dog right now because he always co-hosts the show with me silently. So he's being a very good dog right now. So it's totally possible. A lot of work, but possible. And so, yes, on behalf of the Law Student Division and especially on behalf of myself, you guys, really glad that you've come on the show today and talked about these issues, giving me your time and your trust to discuss these issues that are obviously important to all of us. So, clearly and competently and as well as including personal touches of yourself. I really appreciate it. 
We encourage you to subscribe to the ABA Law Student Podcast on iTunes so you don't miss an episode and also take the time to rate us and review us as well. You can also reach us on Twitter at ABA Law Student Division using the Law Student Podcast hashtag because we would love to hear what's on your mind. I am Caitlin Peterson, and thank you for listening to the ABA Law Student Podcast here on Legal Talk Network. Until next time, take care, everyone. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. Remember, U.S. law students at ABA accredited schools can join the ABA for free. Join now at AmericanBar.org forward slash law student. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.